Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha. As we tackle your marriage and your relationship issues and help you solidify what's going on outside the office so that your that your testimony is not compromised when you're out there in the public. When your marriage or your relationships are a mess at home, you bring that with you wherever you go. And that's why we dedicate Tuesdays to strengthening what's going on at home. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as we... Delve deep. You're listening to us all over Tampa Bay on AM 570-910. At night on 1380 and all during the, uh, in Lakeland at FM 102.1, online at iHeartRadio, on and on and on, letstalkfaith.com. So many different places you can hear us. We're so grateful that you've tuned in. You know, on many Tuesday shows, Martha, in the past we've talked about um, the amazing things, the amazing differences, the amazing things that God built into men and women, the amazing similarities and the supernatural differences. So how do we learn to understand and appreciate these differences and learn to communicate them with each other? How about a book? Wouldn't this have been a really great resource to have when you were a teenager? Well, the first half of today's show will be focused on Karen Whiting's latest book release, but specifically in her book, she got lots of book releases, but specifically in her book, Girl Talk, Guy Talk, Karen Whiting, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks for having me on, Jen. Oh, we're so glad to have you here. Our paths crossed many years ago in Christian retail, and I am so glad that um, you've had a busy year, and we get to talk about your books that you have had release on the I Work For Him radio program today. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Martha. You bet. So one of the things that, um, you know, we always, you know that the message of I Work For Him is helping people to understand and incorporate their faith in everything that they do. And your work as an author and a speaker, um, how do you see that as your mission field that God designed you to serve in? Well, of course, I'm always trying to help people connect to God with the books that I write. And in particular, I try to strengthen the family. And anyone who works has people that's part of their family, whether they live with them in the house or their extended family members or their newfound family because of church. And we want that to integrate because if you're happy at home, you're happy at work. Oh, and we say that often on our shows on Tuesday, where we t- and that's why we focus on relationships because um, you, what you're right, it goes both ways. If you're happy at home, it translates into work, and if things are not so great at home, that translates into what you take to work as well. So um, I love to see that. Karen, have you always has being an author and a speaker has that always been um, your livelihood? No, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. No. The world well, needs I, mathematicians. <laughs> yeah, so God really changed everything after I had my five children, and he called me into writing. I didn't expect it, and I even went on a retreat to pray and say, Lord, is this what you really want? Not only did he give me a vision and tell me that he wanted me to not write one book, but he wanted me to become a writer of many books, but the next morning, Unbeknownst to me, I sat at a place at breakfast, and we turned over our placements afterwards. There were paintings with a verse, and my painting was of my vision with the verse, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, to trust in the Lord. So, 
<laughs> so you had a, a direct answer there that you better be obedient, right? And trust yes. him. That's great. More specific than anything else in my life. So. Oh, my word. So now you have, if I have this right, in 2017, you've released three different books. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And, have- and, and overall, how many have you released? 25. 25. Oh, so going, well, see, you need to be a mathematician to keep track to of all, all, all those books, right? <laughs> so with the three books that you've released this year, how did you see God lead you to write on the topic specifically that you wrote about? Well, one topic is on bread, and that was something I mm-hmm. believed God called me to write about 23 years ago, and it took 22 years, actually, to get a contract on that book, and I just, and he kept telling me I wasn't ready, I didn't know enough about writing, and I thought, I sure don't, I'm a mathematician. And others, the one on the teen book, I had 22 years at home of teenagers in my house. I had a teen ministry for 13 years, and I spent a lot of time working on communication, especially in the ministry with teens that were in Miami. You can imagine it was a very multicultural group, and communication was a big thing that we had to help everyone learn to do. So in the back of my mind, I always thought, maybe I should do something on that for teenagers. I have such a heart for them. Mm -hmm. And then an editor asked if I could do something for teens in a devotional, and I said, well, yes. And I gave them an idea, and they came back and said, you know, we really just want you to focus on the communication, and could you have a man do the other part of it to have it for girls and guys? And I had just finished a different book with Jesse Floria, so I said, I think so. And he said, yes, let's do it. That that actual publisher fell through, so at that point we had a proposal. We took it to (laughs) Tyndale that we had both worked for, and they said yes. (laughs) Very good. So let's talk about that book a little bit. So we're talking about the book that um, is recently released called Girl Talk, Guy Talk, and you wrote it along with Jesse Floria. And who um, specifically do you hope will pick up this book and read it? I really hope high school students and those just getting into high school, your upper middle grades, will read it, particularly those first two years of high school, because they're very open and eager to want to connect and want to make a difference. And the ones getting into high school, you know, they're feeling that awkward age, and they want to know, how do I navigate? And communication is a big part of navigating in relationships and work and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to learn? So first of all, let's talk about how it's set up and how you did this with Jesse. Is There's a, um, a girl devotional and then a guy devotional. Why don't you explain that a little bit? Yes. Most of the time there's a girl devotional followed by a guy devotional. Once in a while we did it together because we thought, well, this is for girls and guys mm-hmm. so that they can really talk about it. And it's the gamut of everything that that age goes through of relationships and dating, of learning respect with whoever they're with, appreciating the mentors they have in their life who are, of course, older than them, (laughs) (laughs) and learning respect, learning a little bit about their body language and what that's communicating, understanding that they have to have some confidence as they speak and reach out and that they shouldn't be judgmental or mocking or disrespectful and teasing with their words. So it really goes into a lot of aspects of communication. 
So I think an interesting element of that is the fact that the girl and the guy devotionals are in the same book together. Do you anticipate that you'll, like a girl may read the guy one so she can kind of get a perspective on what he might be needing to learn? Yeah, can can a teenage guy get this book and go, huh, this is how I can communicate with a girl? Because that's what, (laughs) that's what all. Yes, Yes, that is a fun thing, Jim, to think about. I suspect the girls will always want to read both the girl and the guy. The guy ones may only want to read the guy ones at times, but then they might peek into the girl one, especially if they have a problem. If they've had a breakup or they just don't get a girl, when they get back home, they can say, what's it say in that book? Why is the girl thinking that way? I don't get it. And I think they'll they'll do it in a different method from how the girls will do it. Oh, that's it. That's for sure. And if they can get a little insight, they're going to go a long way with that one. Well, I'm a, thinking there should be an, a, you know, and when you're 50, you know, an adult version. Adult version. Of this. <laughs> then it could become a marriage book. We need to talk about that next. That's right. right. So before we go to break, I just want to um, help people to understand a little bit more about this book. So it's called Girl Talk, Guy Talk, and you recently wrote it along with Jesse Floria. And um, it, it's cute because on the cover it says girls say 20,000 words a day. So, Jim, it's up from, you know, the, you know, girls. I thought it was 50. And then girls or guys say 7,000 words a day. So um, it says then in quotes, how do we talk to each other? So this devotional, again, is for teens to be able to, to learn from that and delve from that. So... Karen, do you have a, a, are you working on a version then for adults on this girl talk, guy talk thing? Because this is something we all need to be working on. Not at the moment. I'm back working on some more things for the family. He's planting seeds, it could, though. It could, could be tell? that the Lord is speaking that into you, because if there's one thing that we've learned in doing marriage mentoring and in doing marriage retreats is that this is an ongoing issue. That's yes, it is. <laughs> All right, girl talk, guy talk, where, where it talks about, hey, girls say 20,000 words a day, guys say 7,000 words a day. I ran out of words. You, you ran go. out. You're okay. done for the All day. Right. <laughs> I, I, I am obviously not an average man because I use way more than 7,000 words in an hour-long show. This book is written by Karen Whiting and Jesse Floria. This is an incredible book. It's going to help all of your teenagers figure this whole communication thing out between boys and girls, men, young men and young women, and they all need help because if they're going to carry those great skills into their adult years, call the studio line, get a copy of this book, 877-943-9673. Girl Talk, Guy Talk, 877-943-9673. Karen, just speak to the audience and let them know who is this book perfect for. Well, of course, the book is perfect for teenagers, for uh, the upper middle school and high school students to help them learn to communicate well. But if you've got a workplace, you're an employer, and a lot of your audience does, I'd say if you've got any teens coming in, if you're going to mentor any, you should start a little uh, library in the lunchroom or break room, whatever you've got, and include something like that in there so that you can be reinforcing the skills that they need, have a couple other books that would be good for them on work ethic and things. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. So you said you had 20 years of having teenagers at home? <laughs> 22, because the, my oldest uh, is 14 years younger than my youngest of my five children. So. Oh, my. So you know, just like Martha and I know, that those dating years, those teen years when they actually start dating were the most difficult time. I mean, weren't those tough years? <laughs> They, 
you know, they, every year has its own uh, challenges. You <laughs> are exactly right. You are exactly right. <laughs> but oh, well I lo- said. I like the way she said it. My kids might be listening. I'm going to be really careful what I say. <laughs> you know, one of the things I love about this book, and we just want our listeners to somebody to call in and get a copy of it, is I love Karen's idea that if you are speaking into a teen, if you are mentoring a teen, what a great thing to go through with them because this devotional reinforces principles that they need to carry into their workplace and their biblical principles. Give us one example, Karen, of a principle that's labeled in this book. One of the things that really sticks out in your mind. Well, there's uh, one just on focus and outlook, focused on the right thing. That's so many times... Teenagers, they're at work, but their mind is off on the game they want to play later or what they're going to do with their friends. And it's just to help them realize to be in the moment and focus on what they are doing at that time so that they can do it well and so they can also learn at that time and enjoy what they're doing. That is great. So we're going to focus on the next book. And so we learned about this book. It's called The Gift of Bread. And we read your article that was in the MTL magazine a couple of issues ago. And I, of course, that piqued my interest right away. And I love the the story behind it. And so tell our listeners what they're going to get when they get a copy of The Gift of Bread. Well, there are some recipes, because the subtitle is Recipes for the Heart and the Table, so there's 58 recipes, but along with that, there's a heartwarming story around bread in each chapter, and there's biblical insights into bread in the Bible, so they can understand the analogy of Jesus as the bread of life, and the reason for the bread of presence in the Old Testament, and understand a little bit more about how do I become more like Jesus, the bread of life. So all of that's in there. And there's tips on bread making and serving bread. Yeah, and I love that because, you know, we can never know enough about how to uh, to deal with bread in our in our kitchen. So one of the things when I saw this, of course, I tabbed it with, I put little posty notes on several pages because there was a lot that intrigued me. Um, and I would love to tell our listeners where this came from. But I'm thinking that this would be a book that would be really good to give to somebody that maybe you've been um, witnessing to, sharing a little bit about your faith and, you know, Christmas is coming. This Everybody loves a book about bread that might have recipes in it. What are your thoughts well, on that? Well, is the, Karen, just a question. So on the cover is a big loaf of bread. Is that scratch and sniff? No. <laughs> No, but I'll tell you, the words not only bring up an image, but I often put the the senses in of the aroma of bread, so you would be Mm -hmm. smelling it in your mind, and that can be a good thing. Yeah, I think it can make a great gift. People have been buying it for gifts, and you can always add some bread, whether it's from an artisan bakery or some that you made yourself to go along with it. That's a great idea. So people should call in, and they can ask for the gift of bread. We actually have two copies of this one to give away. Um, Call 877-943-WORD. Or oh, he looked at me like, what? Or 877-943-9673. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, so Karen, let's move on to the 52 weekly devotions for busy families. And as you alluded <laughs> Nobody's going to gonna want that book, Karen. Nobody's busy. Nobody's no, busy. never. So I love the title. I love the, the graphics on this. It's a good size. It's not overwhelming. It's colorful. Uh, tell our listeners about this devotional. Right. Well, as a busy mom myself, having raised so many children, and now I have 12 grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. I wanted to offer people something that would give them less guilt and help mm-hmm. them equip uh, them to do the, the way I did devotions with my family. And in this type of a book, there's one story a week, one verse to really focus on, and you have choices of what else you do. There's a Bible connection. There's hands-on activities because, of course, we learn and remember more when we engage in different ways with a book. There's some chat prompts that those can be done during the week in the car because this book can fit in the purse or just fit, you know, right inside your car with things. Um, You can use it. Some weeks you might have time to do everything that's suggested. Other weeks there might be time to do just a couple of things, but at least you're continuing on with a faith journey with your family. You know, this makes me think of my many, many, many friends that sit in the car line every day taking their kids to school, picking their kids up from school. And often they have several of their kids with them, you know, whether getting them one more child or something. And when you said stick it in your purse, this is a great idea for that because you can pick up on this is it's got wonderful ideas and family beatitudes and verses and things like that in there. So, um, again, we have a copy to give away if somebody well, wants to Well, I want to ask Karen a question before in. we give it away. Let me ask Karen a well, question. Well, they can still call oh, in. No, I want to wait. I want to wait. Okay. Karen, why do you think it's important for families to do devotions together? Because if we really want to pass our faith on to our children, they need to understand what we believe, and that's a great way to share it. They need to know that God wants to be part of our everyday life. And as we go through verses, we see him involved in all sorts of things. We see Jesus having meals. We see Jesus caring and having compassion for people. And all of this type of thing is what we want to transmit to our children and what better way to do it than to have some time throughout the week, minutes here, a little longer there, to do that. And, you know, I focused on the things that I think families need to help develop character. There's even a week on work ethic. So let's start them young to understand how to have Mm -hmm. that good ethic. Well, you know, and you just said something that's very key to I Work For Him, and our dream would be for the next generation to not make a separation between what they do at work and who they are at home. And And that connection between Sunday and Monday. Exactly. So if they can learn at an early age that Jesus is a part of everything in their life, then they don't even need to... They don't need to unlearn anything, um, and they can um, implement their faith at work. So, Karen, it's pretty exciting because the the resources you've given us are fantastic family resources. First of all, a resource for teenagers, and there's so many people listening today that have teenagers. This Girl Talk Guy Talk book, and then you got the 52 weekly devotionals for busy families. And as I said sarcastically, of course. Who's going to read that? Because nobody's busy out there. And then the gift, and and that was sarcasm. I'm sorry, because I probably should have said sarcasm noted. uh, Because there's so many families are crazy busy. uh, And, and, but we got to just slow them down at least to read the scriptures and help them incorporate their faith. But finally, the gift of bread. What a great little book just to help people slow down. And I love that. I can smell the bread right now. How (laughs) fun was it for you? to have these projects this past year and to see these books come to life? Well, they were all so important because I see my own children growing their families and wanting to give them a new contemporary tool that they can use, too. And, of course, bread, you know, I came from a family of restaurants, dairy farmers, and bread was such a big part of life. And I started making bread at 
as a very little girl before I was ever in school. And even the other day, I coached my 10-year-old granddaughter to make mm. yeast whole wheat bread from this book, and she made the whole thing came out perfect That's because fabulous. that recipe always does. And so it's passing on a legacy in some ways within my own family and, and offering that to people that they can build mm-hmm. a legacy to pass mm-hmm. on. And equipping teens, because as I said, I have a heart for those teens that I worked with for so young. In fact, one of the teens that was in my ministry... Karen, we got we got to say goodbye, but oh, thank okay. you so much for being on I Work for Him today. Thank you so much for sharing your books. Bless you. Karen Whiting, so great to have you on the show today. Thanks, and God bless. Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle your marriage relationship issues. And today, a little different perspective. We did our book highlight segment during the first half of the show because we had the amazing author Karen Whiting on. And she shared three family-focused books that she's written in 2017. We wanted to share those, and we gave them away then. But we highlighted the books Girl Talk, Guy Talk, The Gift of Bread, and 52 Devotions for Families. It was a lot of fun. Now we're going to take a trip up I-75 out of Tampa into Atlanta, where I met this young lady named Amy Spain. I saw a post of hers on LinkedIn. So one of my one of the people I follow had tagged one of her posts, and so it got into my feed on LinkedIn. And by the way, if you are anywhere out there outside of working at home for yourself, actually, that doesn't even matter. If yeah. you are alive, you should be on LinkedIn. <laughs> you need to be on LinkedIn. I mean, you need it is to a, connect. You need to connect to people. It is a place you got to be. And so I learned about Amy Spain, and she shared a little of her story on LinkedIn, which was amazing. I thought, this is a lady we got to have on I Work For Him. Amy Spain, welcome to I Work For Him. Well, thank you, Mr. Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> well, Martha and I are just excited. We love to hear new stories, and I just loved how you just really shared all that the Lord was doing in your life while you, uh, just right on, on LinkedIn. Now, let's just give a little background. So you did the, the first post I, I um, saw of yours was this post. I said, when I left Alabama 15 years ago, I decided to make my home in Columbus, Georgia. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid. I already had a foundation, when, but when the relationship I was in went south, I had to start over from scratch. No idea of anything. The only thing I knew is that I refused to go backwards. Now, that was scary. And it goes on from there. Amy, why don't you tell a little bit of that story? What got you from Columbus, Georgia to Atlanta? Well, in actuality, well, 15 years ago, when I did make the conscious decision to move from my hometown of Carrollton, Alabama, I decided to relocate in Columbus, Georgia. You know, at the time, I, like you said, I was actually following a third boyfriend, so not knowing that God oh, had a Oh, boys. It was a boy thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I actually had no idea what God had in store for me, which ultimately led to my act of salvation. Because when I, want, because when I actually moved, the relationship that I was in, it actually went downhill thereafter. So being in an unknown place with no family or no dependency, the only thing that I had to rely on was God. And at that time, I didn't know God. So it was actually something I was actually believing in something that I had no knowledge of. Or I wasn't even able to see. So it's so, real scary. I, be, I bet it was. What I loved, though, was the smile on your face on your LinkedIn post as you stand behind, beside an I-75 uh, post a signpost alongside the highway and said, listen, this is the amazing things that the Lord has done in my life. So you moved to Jonesboro, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. How did the Lord draw you into his arms as you decided to seek him? Because you were a single mom of two when you moved up to Atlanta or when you moved to Jonesboro, right? 
No, when I got to um, Atlanta, I, was, I had three. Yeah, three. Okay. So, Sorry, I missed right. somewhere in there. I apologize. <laughs> but I mean, actually, like when I well, actually, Mister Jim, I actually had my first encounter with the Lord in Columbus, Georgia, which was in a small church called Crown of Glory Outreach Ministries, where you know I had heard of the marvelous things that God had done, but I never experienced it for myself. So. It was ultimately, you know, at that time I had my aha moment, you know, not only, you know, being, accept, not only, you know, accepting him into my life, but I developed a personal, a more intimate relationship with him. So it was at that time in the ministry where, you know, the my current pastor at that time, which was Pastor Lewis, you know, he pretty much gave me a foundation in Christ. You know, he taught me to take the word and to study it for myself. And pretty much there was no compromise in the Word of God. So he actually taught me the way in which to live holiness. So actually when I actually um, moved to Jonesboro in three, about three years ago, it, that's where my relationship with Christ took on a totally different meaning because Jonesboro is actually where I found my purpose, the call of God that was on my life. You know, and with the help of my current pastors now, Pastor Mark and Kim Pottier, they literally, you know, have taught me what it is to stand with fortitude along with the strength, you know, and the confidence to be able to share my story. Well, and let's let's share some of that story because you like you said, you're a single mom of three. I'm sorry I missed one of your kids somewhere in the transition. But <laughs> as a single mom of three, you move into Jonesboro, just south of Atlanta. Atlanta's a monstrous town. All of us here in Florida, in order to get anywhere, we gotta drive through Atlanta. So mm-hmm. everybody in Florida knows what Atlanta is because they're all roads lead through Atlanta. <laughs> you, you face a lot of challenges in the city. What were some of the challenges you faced as a single mom? Well, being a single mom, it, it was actually tough, especially, you know, even with a support system that, that I did have in place. You know, I was faced, you know, stretching myself to the limits in order to be there for my children. I um, actually took places, took work, took work at places like McDonald's um, that kind of worked around my schedule, you know, allowing me to be there for my children at the time. Um, you know, I was just responsible, you know the motherly responsibilities, you know, giving them back and forth to daycare, you know, walking myself to work when I didn't have chaos there, you know, being there for, you know, the programs, the wars, like, you know, all the things that a mother actually had to do. And um, so that decision, you know, also caused me to fall short financially, you know, just trying to be there for them to make sure that they wouldn't be a product of their environment. So pretty much, you know, it was hard, but, you know, through it all, you know, God actually held us together and we, Actually, right now, you know, the glue for one another, and we actually are a praying family. So, you know, even back then in that small two-bedroom trailer, all I ever knew was prayer and that God had no respect of person. So, you know, prayer and time with God is what kept us afloat. And my kids and I learned the value of prayer and praise, you know, early on. So I must say we relied on God, the Word of God, for every step that was made. You know, I sat with them. I taught them scriptures every day. They were actually responsible for learning a scripture per day. So if you, like, walked in the house, it was, like, scriptures plastered everywhere over the house. So, And at that time, it was, like, no time to even give up or feel sorry for myself because I had three souls that were actually dependent on me to make it. So, you know, it was a, you know, I was in an uncomfortable position at, in life at that time, but, you know, I knew in order to grow in God, I had to be stretched to reach my fullest potential in Him. Mm-hmm. Well, what I love is that you're sharing a story that 
has been played over and over and over again that there are single moms out there going, Oh, preach it, Amy. Cause you, you tell it girl, because this, I mean, this is something that there's tons of women out there that have unfortunately had to raise families on their own. And it is tough that it's, I think the toughest job out there being a single mom. What, what do you, I mean, do, have you seen your story replayed over and over again in, in other households? I have, I have. And it's like, you know, you just don't actually have the words for it at that particular time. And, you know, looking at where I came from versus where I am now, it's like it was really tough. But if I didn't have that foundation with God in place, then I don't. I feel like I wouldn't have made it. Because, you know, I feel like there are things that I went through that if, you didn't, if I didn't have God, I would have crumbled. So, you know. That that has really been the basis of my entire life. So, how old are your kids today? My kids, I have um, my daughter. She's twenty one. I have a twenty year old. I also have a seventeen. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't laugh out loud. I do that all the time, though. I'm, I, he can he can I, understand where I, you're at a little bit right now in life, and, it's, and it is awesome and busy, and people have no idea when they have a toddler, what it's like to have adult children. It's a different, it is, it's wonderful, but it's a, it's, it's not anything that you um, necessarily expect it to be. That's for sure. Did all your kids stay with you in the Atlanta area? Well, they actually came with me uh, in Atlanta. My daughter, she was graduating from high school uh, at the time that I made the move Mm. to Atlanta. Um, And right now, you know, they're pretty much doing a great job at progressing through this thing called life. You know, she's uh, a graduate. She'll be graduating from UAB in Birmingham as a nurse practitioner next year. Wow. Um, But my son, actually, he um, joined the military two years later, and he's currently a sergeant in the U.S. Army. But still currently have an aspiring up and coming 12th grader. So, you know, they've done very well, and I'm very proud of them. Well, they watched your testimony as you were walking through those tough waters. How are the how are your kids today walking with the Lord? Oh my God! I mean, they have the. I feel like they have the best relationship ever. Like my daughter, she's also a part of this uh, group called Ransom. Um, it's an on-campus organization where she instructs a small group classes, like pretty much teaching others to look to God first. Um, my mm-hmm. oldest son, I call him my little prodigal son, pretty much. Um, you but, know, I, I but the think, military may get that out of them, right? <laughs> right. So I said, you know, the Bible, the Bible declares, you know, you'll raise them up in the way that they should go. So when they get older, they shall not depart from it. So, you know, I refer to him a lot of times as my little prodigal son. He strays, but he always finds his way back to what was instilled in him from the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. so I pretty much put him in God's hand and let him take it from there because I know he can do a better job than I can. <laughs> That's a very good perspective, a very good place to be. <laughs> That's great. You know, here's what I I want to make sure I talk about your pursuit of a career because through all this, so you moved to Columbus, your kids are little, you moved to Jonesboro, your kids are now older, but through all this, you decided you were going to go back to school. I mean, how in the world did you have time to work, support these kids, and go back to school? How did God work that out for you? Oh, God, it actually was a, a real balancing act because it was like, really tough um as far as with my job like well with work i would say you know i actually made um 
I actually, like, made the attempt to go back to school, but, you know, time really wasn't on my side, being that, you know, it was just me. So, you know, I had to make time for these kids. You know, my whole aim right. was not to make them, you know, pretty much to make them productive citizens of society. I didn't want them to be a product of their environment. So I actually had to take time and fall back from the things that I actually wanted to do and actually just step up and do the mother thing. And, you know, whatever I had to do or whatever I needed to do had to come second. So, you know, being that they were, like, older and I was able to get them started on their career path, you know, then I found the time for myself to be able to jump back in school and actually finish my degree. All right. So, Amy, when you moved to Columbus, you were working whatever jobs you could work in order to be a mom. And what kind of jobs were those? Well, pretty much I was getting jobs at um, warehouse jobs. I worked at McDonald's. Um, and being that I was a young mom starting out with no education, the only thing I had was a high school diploma. So, you know, I found myself working in a local chicken plant. Well, those are the jobs I actually took in order to provide for my children. Now, when you moved to Jonesboro, um, have you you been working as have you been working the same time you've been going to school as well? I have. I actually worked um, at a doctor's office, Atlanta Heart Associates. I was uh, medical records there. There's a nice free plug to Atlanta Heart Associates. I love that. Okay, great. <laughs> That's just fantastic. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that your faith really got impacted after you moved to Columbus, that you that you had a pastor really at Crown of Glory Outreach Ministries, I think is what you said, that you had a pastor really introduce you to Jesus. How, after you started, after you surrendered your life to Jesus, what, how did your faith start to impact your work? Well, in actuality, because of the foundation that my pastor had already given me, you know, teaching me to take the word and dissect it for myself, you know, don't allow anybody to, like, tell you anything different. And, you know, it impacted my work in a lot of ways because I began to look at things different, even though, you know, I felt like I was in a position that I really didn't want to be in. But I kind of like, you know, I believe God so strongly in his word that, you know, I took him at his word. You know, I was understanding that the scriptures, you know, pretty much pretty much what I would do is actually like really knew some things that I heard or certain quotes, you know, like if God said, if you make one step, you'll make two, you know, when things got hard and I, I felt like giving up, you know, I would look back on those certain quotes and, you know, it was things like, you know, pretty much what. You know, when you only see one set of footprints, it was then that he cared me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I took these jobs, keeping the scriptures in the back of my mind, knowing that trouble wasn't going to last always. That these were just stepping stones in order to get me to where I was going. So I usually have to talk my way through my situation, and I learned to encourage myself, you know, telling myself, what is a test? What is a testimony without a test? You know, I understood the scriptures, and because I understood the scriptures and what God was saying, I learned to be faithful of a few things, you know, knowing that, it will make me rule over many. Hmm. I love that. All right, so when did you decide to go back to school? How many years ago to get your four-year degree? Um, well, to get my four-year degree, I decided, well, actually, when I got here in Atlanta, I decided to go back to school and get my four-year degree. Like I said, in 2006, 2006 I actually got my associate's in criminal okay. justice. So you've and, been working um, on this a long You've been working on this a long time. So you got... <laughs> A long time. So you got an associate's degree in criminal justice, and now you just I, graduated with a bachelor's degree as well, correct? 
I did, you know, and in 2006, I, I, when I got my associates in criminal justice, but I actually, you know, due to the high demand of me being a parent, you know, trying to be there for my children, you know, and keep them involved in the church and other extracurricular activities. You know, school wasn't an option for me, no matter how much I wanted it to be, because I was always enrolled and I ended up dropping out. So, well, when May 2017 this year came, you know, I did receive my bachelor's in criminal justice, and it actually took me from 2006 to 2017 to complete the whole degree. So it was a long, long road, but I actually made it. Well, congratulations. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine being a single mom of three, getting through all of those years, working all those extra jobs, and getting your degree at the same time. It's very impressive. So you got this criminal justice degree. What are you going to do? It. What do you want to do? Well, I mean, talk to me. I mean, you, you graduated. And I know you're looking. You're still looking for work, correct? Correct. Okay. So what? Oh. What do you want? What do you want to do with the, the criminal justice degree? Well, in uh, criminal justice, I actually would love to work in probation and parole. Um, I currently volunteer at a shelter for battered women here in Atlanta. Um, I also do support group facilitator for the women within the shelter, and so we pretty much discuss life after domestic abuse. Um, I also work with the Victims Advocate Unit within our local courthouse, and I found the area of the Victims Advocate to be very rewarding as well. So now that I have options, those are my two options. Mm. So my objective is pretty much to like use my gift. My goal is to actually use the gift that God has blessed me with in order to help others out of their dark places. All right, so those two places, again, that you'd really like to plug in? Yeah, probation and parole and victim's advocate. Victim's advocate. I, I didn't I didn't write it down fast enough. Okay, so <laughs> all right, now, I, and, and the reason I'm interviewing you, because I, I loved the story of how you were willing to put right out there on LinkedIn that the Lord did amazing things in guiding you all of these years as a single mom and, and then the celebration of you graduating and getting your name out there. And, and so you're pursuing with your criminal justice degree probation and parole area or maybe victim's advocate. So are you willing to relocate? I mean, because there are people listening to this show from all over the country. Are you willing to relocate or do you got to stay in Atlanta? <laughs> no, I am most definitely willing to relocate. <laughs> you know, with my kids being stable and have started career paths of their own, I'm overly excited to see what God actually has in for me over the next couple of years. So. Well, I've got a lot of friends in northern Minnesota. That's a really nice play this time of year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it requires an additional wardrobe. That's yeah, it does for re- sure. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So as you look to the next steps, finding finding as you as you wait on the Lord to provide, as you finish up your full time responsibility, raising these three kids and getting them off on their own, how how is faith impacting day to day for Amy Spain today? Well, pretty much, my faith has really taken me all the way um like i say well like currently currently i'm actually like involved in this um feeding the homeless here in atlanta i i actually build a website called the mercy seat foundation um and it's geared towards helping the homeless but um pretty much you know being that i was a single parent and i had family support you know as well as I was working, but sometimes I didn't have the money when my kids wanted to play sports, you know, gas, money to get back and forth, or, you know, other things of that nature. So mm-hmm. the purpose of the foundation that I'm currently working on is to not only help those that are homeless, but to help those that are working day to day and simply can't make ends meet 
So um, my faith has actually shaped my journey in a number of ways because it gives me a different outlook on things, you know, whereas, you know, I'm a believer in second chances or rehabilitation, you know, things of that nature. So it's actually like working for me. Wow. I I mean, it's breathtaking. And I want to make sure that we we highlight how much the Lord has really done. So as you've taken these last six months that you graduated in May and you're still looking for work, which is tough. It's tough looking for work right now. So how are you keeping your days busy? Are you still working at the heart place while you're looking for work? Well, no, I'm currently not at the heart place. But um, like I said, I I volunteer with um, a shelter here in Atlanta. Um, I also work um, at the Clayton County Courthouse, you know, doing the victim's advocate. Um, and currently, like when I'm home, I'm actually working on my website, which is um, themercyseatfoundation.com, okay. um, pretty much. And I also have a book that's coming out next year. So I'm like overly busy. So when work does come, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you better get everything done, right? <laughs> right. So this I don't, you didn't tell me you're writing a book. What's your book going to be about? Is it going to be your life story? It's pretty much going to be about my life. Very good. So speak yep. to the single moms out there, Amy. Speak to them and encourage them and and just speak from your heart to those listening today that are single moms or maybe uh, parents that have single kids that are single moms. Parents that have single moms. Well, I, I pretty much would say, you know, it's all about building that relationship with God because that's the only thing that, that is, you're actually going to, that's going to actually help you make it through. You know, it's hard, you know, let alone being in a relationship, you know, and being a single parent, it, it's extremely hard. I know some people say, you know, it's not hard, but it is hard. And, you know, it's okay to say that it is hard. But, you know, and my resort is, you know, to look to God first and, you know, develop a personal relationship with him because when no one else is there, he is there. And, you know, I would actually just, you know, get put everything in God's hand, allow God to order your steps. And allowing God to order your steps, you'll never go wrong. Wow, that's good. Allow God to order your steps and you never go wrong. Amy Spain, thanks for coming on iWorkFrame, for joining Martha and I and sharing your story for, with all these people across the country. Thanks so much, Amy Spain. Thank you. Thanks. If you want to find out more about Amy Spain, go on to the Mercy Seat Foundation website. You can find out more about her. And, and really, maybe if you got a criminal justice job, you can just email me and I'll connect you up to her. Jim at iWorkForHim.com. Jim at iWorkTheNumberForHim.com. Well, that was a full show. It was. Lots yeah. of great stuff. Books from Karen Whiting, a testimony from Amy Spain. A lot of fun. Very good. I hope people got challenged in some way. You listen to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iWorkForHim and online iWorkForHim.com. I work the number 4 him.com